Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Our scripture this reading is from Matthew's Gospel. It's um, the call uh, passage to four disciples there on the uh, Sea of Galilee. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets. And Jesus called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So keep this story about this call of uh, the, the sons of thunder, James and John and, and Andrew and Peter. Think about this story. Pay attention to this story. Hold this story in your head as, as you remember the story of Jonah. Jonah, you remember, was called by God to go to Nineveh to, to tell the people to repent because, you know, I, God, have good news for them and I want to forgive them. And Jonah, we presume, didn't think much and, or highly of the people of Nineveh, got in a boat and headed to Tarshish instead. You know the story, right? So God sent a great storm to that boat on which Jonah had, um, had sought passage. And the seas came up and Jonah told the crew, the wrath that you're experiencing in this storm is God's wrath. And it's not aimed to you, it's aimed to me because I've let God down. And they said, thanks for telling us that. We appreciate it. And they threw Jonah into the sea. And he was swallowed by a great fish and three days later he was spit out uh, and spit out in the direction of where? Of Nineveh. And Jonah... We read the story, Jonah reluctantly, reluctantly, slowly, dragging his feet, goes and does what God had told him to do all along, go to Nineveh and preach to them good news. Now, compare that reluctance with this great call story, this thumbnail sketch uh, here in Matthew's gospel of the call of these first four disciples. They weren't reluctant about anything, were they? They were immediately interested. They heard and they, they followed. Uh, we presume they liked their jobs. They liked, John and, and, and James liked their father's ebony, but they left immediately to answer the call. 
You know, I wish, and and there's more to say about that story, and maybe immediately meant they went home and packed bags. I don't know. But Scripture says they immediately left. I wish I were more a follower like they, where I could go a little more immediately. Not like Jonah, when I'm told to go to Nineveh, I go to Tarshish instead. That's the way I often follow, sort of a backwards way, right? But I wish I could be more direct and more immediate like those disciples. When I discern God's voice calling me to do something, I pull out my phone, which I left right there. I say, well, let me get it scheduled. No, I can't do it Tuesday. Tuesdays, I'm full with meetings with my church friends. Wednesday, no, can't do Wednesday either. I, I wash my hair on Wednesday. Can't do Wednesday. But I could fit you in Wednesday, two Wednesdays from now, God. <laughs> hmm. Well, Jesus was told the same thing by an otherwise faithful follower. Come follow me. He said, I will as soon as I go back home and bury my father. But you remember what Jesus said. Let the dead bury the the dead. I, I, I need you now. Now is the invitation. Now is your opportunity. Now you are needed. Now, not later. Today, not tomorrow. The mo- this moment, not the next. So often the way I follow is I need the invitation and then I need the whale to come get me, swallow me up, aim me in the right direction and then spit me out on the land. Then, then I follow. But I admire these these faithful ones who followed immediately. In the civil rights in our country, the civil rights now and, 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 and in the 50s and 60s, there were those who said, let's wait, let's move more slowly on this. Uh, let's move forward, but let's not move, you know, right now. We want everybody to move with us, and that takes time. Let's, let's don't rush, let's don't uh, turn people off. There were many, both black and white, who like Nona, uh, like Jonah, they hightailed it to, to Tarshish instead of going to Nineveh where God had called them. When Martin Luther King Jr. was in jail in Birmingham and he wrote that famous letter from the uh, Birmingham jail, he says many religious leaders, well, he, he was responding to many religious leaders, including faithful white ministers in Birmingham, faithful people like me, like saying things like I would have said, honestly, I'm sure I would have said this. I would have said, let's move more slowly. I said, Dr. King, your presence here and now is probably untimely. It's unwise. Look at how riled up everything is. Let's go more slowly. Let's let's walk more, more tenderly. So when he was in that jail, he responded to that criticism, which I think was and still is a legitimate criticism. And this is how he responded. That letter was how he responded. For years now I have heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. We must come to see with the distinguished jurist of yesteryear that justice too long denied is... Justice too long delayed is justice denied. We know this. And we knew it before King. But King was reminding us of our heritage, of our history. King suggested it was easier for people in places of comfort to wait. It was easier for people in places of comfort and power and and relative ease. Easier for people like me 
to wait. Let's go slowly. I, I don't have a dog in this fight, but I care about the people who do. But let's move slowly. Let's, let's be careful. And this is what King said. This is an extended quote. I guess it is easy for those who have never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait. But when you have seen vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim, when you have seen hate-filled policemen curse, kick, brutalize, and even kill your black brothers and sisters with impunity, when you see the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smoldering smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of an affluent society, when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she cannot go to the public amusement park, which has just been advertised on the television, and see tears well up in her little eyes when she is told that Fun Town is closed to colored children and see the depressing clouds of inferiority begin to form in her little mental sky and see her begin to distort her little personality by unconsciously developing a bitterness towards white people. When you concoct an answer for a five-year-old son asking in agonizing pathos, Daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean? When you take a cross-country drive and find it necessary to sleep night after night in the uncomfortable corners of your automobile because no motel will accept you. When you are humiliated day in and day out by nagging signs, reading white and colored, when you are harried by day and haunted by night by the fact that you are a Negro living constantly at tiptoe stance, never knowing what to expect next, and plagued with inner fears and outer resentments, when you are forever fighting a degenerating sense of nobodiness, then you will understand while we find it difficult to wait. Jonah, would you... Please, says the Almighty God, go to Nineveh. And Jonah boards a ship, and he goes to Tarshish instead. Jonah was one of these people, I'm sure, who would have said, let's do this thing, God. I'll help. But let's wait. We've made progress. Thanks be to God, we've made progress. And so much of what he is, speaks about in this letter, I've never experienced. Well, of course I haven't. I'm a white guy. I never would have experienced it. But, but I see changes. Thank, thanks be to God. But change has been slow, and, and it's still slow. We have folk still on the margins seeking just to, to be welcomed in uh, as, as they are. Thank God Dr. King stomped on the gas pedal, helped us move on. Others were stomping on it too, but, but he did and I think got so much done. Thanks be to God. On my first or second summer here, I, I led a go, go and serve mission trip uh, with our young people to Little Rock. And, and there we served in uh, the, the, the soup kitchen, I think called uh, Stew Pot, uh, in the, on the campus of Second Presbyterian Church where Flash Gordon uh, used to serve as pastor. Uh, and the, 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 um, the pantry, the, 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 the um, statewide uh, pantry, we served there and other places. But we also went to Central High School, to tour Central High School. And I've told you this story before, probably through tears. 
We learned about the Little Rock Nine who in 1967 went to school there uh, escorted by federal troops sent in by Eisenhower uh, because Governor Faubus said we will not integrate uh, Arkansas schools. But this was the first forced desegregation of schools in Arkansas. And we went there and we, we learned about that struggle. We learned where the press stood and how they met every day for briefings. And we learned where the guards stood. We learned where the crowds were kept. And we saw pictures of their faces red and covered with spittle and anger, yelling at these children who were just trying to go to school. It was a big deal. And our children... The children we had and our young people on the trip, I, I believe all of them had families who had come from the Congo. Either they themselves or their immediate families were born in the Congo. And they said to me, Pastor Matt, you know, why were these kids not allowed to go to school, these nine kids? And I said it was because of the color of their skin. And <clears throat> I joke with everybody all the time, you know, and sometimes people don't know when to take me seriously, right? Bob Kirby has never taken me seriously about anything, ever, because I'm always joking. And these kids said, no, no, really. You know, they didn't say, that's a terrible joke, Pastor Matt, but they wanted the truth. And I told them, I said, I wasn't there, but all the history books say it's, it's because of the color of their skin. They were not welcome there. That's why Eisenhower sent the federal troops to walk them in. <laughs> they didn't believe me. <laughs> but they looked to Liz Pippin, who they did trust and love. And they looked to Sabrina, who? And we held out our arms. And we looked at our skin. And we said, you, 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 you would not have been welcomed. Sabrina, maybe, but probably not. And Liz, of course, white skin, red hair, freckles. I felt like a fool explaining this to our young people. I felt like a fool. This is not the, the culture, the society, the, the, the community, the home that, that God intends for God's people. And our kids knew that. And yet, September 1957, that's, that's how you got to school if you were African American. Jonah dragged his feet. He was reluctant to follow God. Uh, scripture doesn't say he told God, let's wait. But one could imagine him being in that crowd that wants to wait. Let's put it off. Surely there's a better time. We don't want to cause waves. <laughs> But when he finally decided to follow God, he did. He did. He did exactly what he was told. But notice how reluctantly he did it. Notice how slowly. And notice how full of complaint he was. Thank God for Peter and uh, Andrew and James and John. They follow immediately. They're asked to be fishers of men. And they say, well, sure. They do it with, with confidence. They do it with trust. They do it with... Um, maybe they had some doubts. Maybe they were just being naive and silly. I, but they did it. They followed the Son of God into this ministry. And they did it right away. Perhaps for a long time, God has been calling you or me to do something and, and to try something or, or to be something. 
And for a long time we've said, well, yeah, that's a good idea, God. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> Maybe later. Uh-huh. Maybe I'll do that sometime. You know, you're, you're wise, sovereign, king of the cosmos. Thanks. I know you think you know best for, what, what, for my life, but I've got this, God. I've got it. Like Jonah, you know, we've booked a boat in the opposite direction. But God has invited us to go. Maybe we could follow. Maybe this time or the next time. Screw on our courage or our faith or whatever it is. And we can skip the whale part. And we can, we can go. We can do what Linda Peterson said in her devotional for the worship team. Uh, excuse me, not the worship team, the nurture committee on Thursday night. We can accept that invitation. We can make that call. We can send that note, pay that visit, step out, be still, give that donation, renew that friendship, double that donation, incubate that prayer, bring that pie, explore the sexism or racism that just might linger and exist in us. We can rake the neighbor's yard. We can tutor in the neighborhood school. We can get to know that mission co-worker across the world. We can have a conversation with that neighbor across the street we only wave at. We can sign up for the next Cuba trip. What work of our hands is God calling us to share? What, what work of our heart is God calling us to give? What can our generosity of spirit do how can God use that modicum of generosity in us to bring healing and peace to the world? Is it possible the Almighty Sovereign God is waiting on you or me to say yes? Oh, probably not. But God nevertheless is inviting us, not waiting on us, but inviting us and urging us. Is God inviting our congregation to lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Is that the song? God is wanting us to sing. What are we waiting for? It's a great adventure. It's a little scary. We have our blinders on and we can't see what might run into us from the left side or the right side. But God is saying, follow me. We might stumble, we might get hurt, we might get lost, we might succeed. Whatever it is we might do, to God be the glory. And if God is doing the calling... If God is doing the calling, why wait? Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.